podcast world. This is Chatting with Kathy, and I'm Kathy Kelly. If you listened to the show last week or you follow me on social media, you guys know that I've been in New York City. I've been out here two weeks now, and I've been out here working, seeing family, watching a lot of wrestling, pretty much just everything except for sleeping. I've also been spending far too much time with today's guest, the last professional broadcaster, host of the Sam Roberts show on Sirius XM, Sam Roberts, uh, going to have his interview. And after that, we will have the Q&A segment. A little preface to this interview, prior to meeting Sam and just really getting to know him, I was a fan of his wrestling podcast, the Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, which you can download on iTunes. Uh, So when I saw him at the NXT show at WrestleMania this past March, I went up to him and I tried to introduce myself, uh, (laughs) approaching someone that I admire or respect is not something that I do very often because either I'm just way too shy or I am way too awkward and mission accomplished on that introduction. Incredibly awkward is probably an understatement. I don't even think that at first I remembered to say my own name, but for whatever reason, Sam didn't think I was a complete stalker. Flash forward a couple months later, And I'm just more of a fan of his than ever and the content that he's creating. I basically begged him to let me help out on the Sam Roberts show while I was in town for SummerSlam. And he had a ton going on this past week. He had interviews for his series show with Mad Men's Elizabeth Moss and uh, Jake Johnson from New Girl, to name a few. He also let me be a part of his live show at Caroline's on Broadway with Paul Heyman, Corey Graves, Katie Linendahl. Looking back, he probably had way too much trust in me, uh, (laughs) but I learned so much, like how to order at a New York deli and that it's not a good idea to take a rolling suitcase through a revolving door. Important life lessons. Uh, Glad I know them now. And somewhere in between radio shows and wrestling shows and eating way too much grilled cheese and Chipotle, Sam and I sat down to tape this episode of Chatting with Kathy. So, without further ado... My interview with Sam Roberts. So, Sam, we've been talking the past two weeks, 24 hours a day. Yeah. And now it's officially being recorded. Yes, it is. (laughs) Well, there were moments when you were on my show that was recorded. So there were, like, single minutes within the 24-hour periods of two weeks that were recorded. Yeah. But never never an extended period like this, no. I just got super nervous because I feel like you're the expert on interviewing people, and now I have to do it to you. You're going to judge me. I'm the last professional broadcaster, so I get why you'd be nervous. <laughs> I, that makes sense to me. I'd be nervous too, but luckily, I'm that guy. 
this podcast is all about inspiring people and, you know, people that might want to follow in your footsteps and make you the second to last professional broadcaster. <laughs> Somebody called my show the other day and said, uh, hey, Sam, you know, I'm looking to get into broadcasting. I'm like, you know, I'm in college or whatever. Do you have any advice for me? And without missing a beat. I said, well, unfortunately, I'm the last professional broadcaster, so if you want to get into broadcasting, my advice would be work for my show, or it's not going to happen. <laughs> well, that's what I want to do. <laughs> well, there you go. That's my advice for everybody. Try to work with me. <laughs> I love how much you put yourself over, too. Yeah, well, it's all like a uh, defense mechanism, I guess. <laughs> Just building a wall, so that I'm trying to make it as impenetrable as possible, mm. because, you know, then I just go home and think about how terrible I am at everything. So oh. that way, as long as I'm I'm talking about me being good, that's moments I don't have to think about me being bad at everything. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I told you this. I've met a lot of people in wrestling, and I've been a fan of yours for a while now. Listening to your podcast, uh, your shows, I've met Jericho, Stone Cold, Ric Flair. And I can say that you are the only person that I've ever marked out for at a show. Why? I don't know, but do you remember the first time we met? Yeah, at, uh, at uh, NXT, right? Yeah. In San Diego, San Jose. San Jose. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was very, uh, I, I was impressed by you. Because you came up <laughs> and you introduced yourself and you explained what our connection was. And you just said that you just wanted to say say hi, and that you were. I think you said that you liked what I did, or something like that. And I was like, oh, and I did. Yeah, I called Kevin Undergaro yeah. after that, and I was like, oh, I met one of your people. Oh, did you? Yeah, of course I did. I, I was very that. impressed. Yeah. <laughs> I walk up to you, and I think I said, I was like, hi, you're Sam Roberts. I know Kevin Undergaro. <laughs> and you're like, what's your name? <laughs> right, right. And then when it doesn't matter what your name is. So I was really impressive. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. I remember being impressed, but I might remember that wrong. And you're like, and this is Katie Lindendahl. I was like, hi. <laughs> <laughs> and Katie was like, who is the spaz? It's like, I don't know. It happens. That's my life. What are you going to do? You called Kevin Undergaro and she called the cops. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I thought there was security in this building. Hmm. Um, so on this podcast, we kind of talk about the industry and how people got their start. I know you got your start in radio at Syracuse University, college radio. Was that something that you always wanted to do, or you found out that you knew that's what you wanted to do when you were in college? I didn't, like, always know that I wanted to be in radio. Mm -hmm. Like, I wasn't, like, a radio junkie. I listened to Opie and Anthony. I listened to Howard Stern. But I wasn't, like, scrolling through the dial. I wasn't thinking. Because I didn't even understand it. Like, I always had... I didn't understand how one would do that, and so I didn't spend any time thinking about how one would do that. I was just like, I don't understand that world, so I guess I'll just move on. But I was, I do, like, in hindsight, I used to do a lot of, like, fake radio shows on, like, talk boys in the back seats of cars and stuff when I was growing up. Like, I'm sure there's audio tapes somewhere of me interviewing myself. I, honestly, I, I distinctly remember, like, having my talk boy, and then I was interviewing myself, but as, like, Diesel or some wrestler in, like, the 90s. And I'm sure, I mean, they exist somewhere. Um, but so you, You're saying that you annoyed your family a lot when you were younger. They didn't like me. When I was young, no, still to this day. But, yeah, no, I'm sure that they were very annoyed by me, but I wasn't doing it for them. Like, I wasn't, like, I was doing it because I wanted the tape, and then I would go back and listen to it. Um, once I got to Syracuse, that's when I was like, okay, I, I started kind of, 
formulating how one might do something like this. Okay. And they were like, we have a radio station. I was like, can I be on the radio station? They were like, yeah, but you have to be on at like 4 o'clock in the morning. And I was like, that's fine. You did it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. I, I did, used to do in Syracuse, the Not Sam Radio was, uh, I think it was in like 2002 or 2003. I did like once a week, on either I think a Wednesday night going into Thursday or Thursday going into Friday, something, from 4 to 7 a.m. And I had one friend in <laughs> Albany. I thought you were going to say you have one friend in total. In total, yeah, yeah, that's a whole. <laughs> one of my friends in Albany, I think he was going through depression and insomnia because he would listen to the show, and then my parents would wake up in the middle of the night, and they would listen to the show. But that was the entire listener base, was those three. There was one time when I would go down there, it'd be 4 o'clock in the morning, and the CD burner didn't work. So I was like, okay, I'll just do the show and blah, blah, blah. And I'd like do the show, and then an email would go out the next morning saying, sorry guys, for the last 24 hours, um, the studio uh, online feed has been down. And I was like, okay, but you said before that the transmitter was down. And they're like, yeah. And I was like, so there's no way to hear what's going on in that studio. And they were like, no. And I was like, so I just did a show at 4 o'clock in the morning. That <laughs> you just, just slept in. I, yeah, I was just talking to myself in a room. <laughs> Nobody ever heard it. I feel like that's what you're still doing now, just talking to yourself in your office. But at least it's being recorded by somebody. Oh, okay. You know, somebody can look back and be like, wow, he is brilliant. That can't happen from the Syracuse tape. Because the CD burner wasn't working. It wasn't even recorded. Yeah. Yeah. So, but you've always been creative, too. Like, we were talking about, you did um, high school theater. <laughs> I'm just going to embarrass you yeah. on this podcast. Yeah. That's my main goal. Good. Well, I'm glad we had that conversation <laughs> just now. I couldn't have waited 24 hours. Yeah. Yeah, I did do high school theater. Yeah, I, I spent a, a lot of time in uh, the chorus you know, you get a lot of lead musical Me roles. Too. You did. The chorus. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not a strong singer or dancer, but that I don't know. That's the end of it. I'm not yeah. good at those things. But your parents were proud. They were always very proud. They said I always did very well. And, like, in hindsight, it didn't. It that's, wasn't good at it. That's what my mom was, too. She would come to all of the plays, even though I was in the chorus. And I was I remember Little Shop of Horrors. I was a prostitute on Skid Row. And she was so <laughs> proud of me. Were you, one of, were you, like, a silent prostitute? Or were you one of the three, like, the, the three that go throughout the show? I think I had, like, one line. Okay. So I was close to being as silent as possible. Right. So you weren't one of the three that go throughout the whole show. I love Little Shop. Yeah, I've always thought I could be a good Seymour Crowborn. Oh, you could. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Moving forward, after Syracuse, um, I know that you got a job pretty much right away. Was that in radio, or or you were interning after college? Yeah. Like, I went and started in my junior year of college. I started putting together resume packets with my air check CDs. And I would have my I had my list of different radio stations that I could potentially work at in New York, because I wanted an internship that summer before my senior year. And I sent it to Obi and Anthony, Howard Stern, Wendy Williams, Elvis Duran, I'm probably WPLJ, like every every radio thing. Because at that point, I was like, okay, I want to keep pursuing this. Yeah. And so I would just send. And I started, I think, like before January for summer internship. And you have to. yeah, and so like every month three to four weeks, I would resend the same packet to all the stations just to make sure. And 
I didn't realize that like a lot of these places, all you have to do is just show up. It's not that tough to get an internship. Wait, really? Yeah, no. Once I got so I ended up getting the internship that I wanted, which was with Opie and Anthony. Nobody else called me; just they did, which was you know fortuitous because that's where I wanted to go. But then, like once I got there, I started seeing the process and realizing that like none of these interns went to that kind of effort to get an internship with Opie and Anthony, like zero. So, uh, but I'm so glad I did it because that's, I don't know, that's the road that it took me on. And how many of those interns now have their own show? None of, they're all waste of space. I don't know what any of them are doing. They all, you know, stink. But, (laughs) but, and they stink then. But, um, yeah, and so then I, I interned for Opie and Anthony, and then when I left, I was, it was heartbreaking. I was going back to college, and one of the guys who worked there was like, so are you definitely going back to college next semester? I was like, yeah, why? And they were like, oh, well, we were going to ask you to stick around. And I was like, what? What? And so my senior year of college, every time we had more than one weekday off school, like if it was a four-day weekend or more, I would drive back to the city, which is like four hours. It's not crazy. But I would drive back to the city to work like one day for free, two days for free. Like spring break, the whole week I was here working for free and, and did the whole year. Christmas the whole time I was in here, uh, the whole time, yeah. So after that, I was able to start working for free again once I graduated that May. But, yeah, I spent pretty much the whole school year just going back and forth trying to show my face as often as possible. That's a lot of dedication, though. Yeah, I mean, I was also sick of school by then. Mm-hmm. Like, it, the whole thing, I was over it. You didn't go to school for journalism. No, I have a degree in sociology. I Well, here's what happened. <laughs> I thought I was going to be a filmmaker, you know. And so I went to Syracuse hoping to get into the Newhouse School of Communications because everybody says it's the top communication school in the country. And Syracuse informed me, you do not have great grades. Like, you are an average student. Did you not know that prior? Well, I just thought, like, NYU... I applied to NYU was like, are you nuts? They'll see my potential, even though it's not reflected in my grade point average. I figured I'd charm them, you know, but I didn't because I didn't get in there. But Syracuse, for some reason, let me into their, uh, the university, like the the College of Arts and Sciences, which is kind of the general space. And I I mean, I, I still remember my parents like looking like, like this is where you have to go because... They were surprised. They didn't understand why Syracuse would let me into the school, even the general school. And they were like, yeah, I don't know what happened, but you got to go. Go to that place. And so I went, and when I got there, they were like, if you get a 3.5 GPA, you can automatically transfer into Newhouse. It's not a problem. So I went, oh, perfect. But then I started going to class. I was like, I'm not getting a 3.5 GPA. Like, (laughs) I'm not going to sit there and study and write and do all the school stuff. It's just not going to happen. So I ended up in a different school, an art school in Syracuse, still thinking I was going to be a film major. I got my, but I was a year behind because it took me a year to transfer. I got my internship with ONA, and I had two years of school left. And when I started realizing that they liked me, especially when that guy was like, are you sticking around? Mm-hmm. I was like, I cannot be at school for two more years. Yeah. One more year is pushing it. So I went through the credits book in, that I had from Syracuse and saw what I had the most credits in. I can be a sociologist. And so that's what I did. I dropped all my film classes. I signed up for all sociology classes. I just went. And then midway through the year, I went to my film school advisor. And I was like, look, man, I need you to sign this paper so I can transfer schools. I have not taken any of the film classes. I dropped them all before I came back. 
I wasn't there for any of them. I've been taking sociology classes. You just need to sign this because otherwise, you know, I'm not taking any new classes. He's like, what? I was like, there's nothing to talk about. He was like, oh, <laughs> okay. And he just signed it. Like, I'm not coming to you for advice. You just have to sign the paper. You basically strong-armed him. Yeah. Because he's like, well, I'm your, you know, your student advisor. I'm like, I don't need advice. Just sign the thing. And, like, I'll go do what I do and you do what you do and yeah. we'll be fine. And so he just signed it. And then I, you know, became a sociologist. You would be surprised at how many actors and hosts and people in the industry are actually, uh, they go to school for sociology or psychology or something of that sort. Yeah, I guess because, well, on one level you could say, like in entertainment, like you're kind of working with people and it's about people and figuring all that out. Mm -hmm. But also, it's way easier than any other science or math. Like it's not, you don't have to do math stuff at all. And you don't have to do formulas or any of that. And, like, I couldn't handle any science sciences. So this, I mean, I, I think if you, like, you talk to people honestly, that's probably what they would tell you. Biochem, your head just explodes. I took a class. It was Introduction to Geology. The uh, <laughs> colloquial name for the class that people used to say was, they call it Rocks for Jocks. Because it was the science class that sports guys would take just to get through it. We had... Three tests, one being the final. The first two, I didn't score above a 50 on either one of them. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, even if you average them out, how am I going to pass this class? And this was senior year. Yeah. So I'm going, like, I'm not going to get to work for this show because I'm not going to graduate because I can't pass it. So I went to my – I never went to out after school hours or anything yeah. like that. But I went one time, and I just explained to the peer – whatever, the TA, and I was like, look. I'm trying to work in radio. I got this internship. Like, and I explained to him, and I was like, I, you know, I know you hear this, but I'm really not going to study rocks. So I don't know what to do here, but it looks like I'm not going to pass this class. And he was like, oh. And, like, he was really sympathetic and really nice and actually kind of thought the radio thing was cool. But he was like, and this would make people so frustrated who work hard in school. But he was like, let me see your tests. Did you bring them? I was like, yeah. And, I mean, they were horrendous. There was just red all over them. And so he was looking at him, and he was like, oh, I see. So when you wrote this, did you mean this? And I was just like, uh-huh. He's like, you did? I was like, yes. And he was like, and do you know what I'm saying here? He's like, yes, I do. He's like, okay, well, we can give you credit for that. And he raised him to, like, 70s. And so now, and he wrote all the answers on the test. So the final was made up of, like, two-thirds the old tests and one-third new material. So I said, cut my losses. Forget about even looking at the new material and just memorize every answer on those two tests that that guy wrote. And so I probably, I must have gotten two-thirds of the test right, yeah. and I got out of the class. I passed. Clearly, he's not too smart if he thought that someone that wanted to get into radio couldn't verbalize what they were actually trying to do. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that technically communications? Look, it's too many questions already. Just... I need to get out of the rocks for jocks thing. I'm just not good at saying what I actually mean. Right. So that's why I wrote the wrong answer. Right. I, it, this is me. I, I kind of did it as a, like, a little character. That's what we do on the radio. You know, I meant what you said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So at Open Anthony, after you were done with all of your schooling and geology tests, <laughs> <laughs> um, you worked your way. You worked for free for a very long time yeah. um, and then worked your way up. Um, was that frustrating at all, like, working for free? Or you were like, no, this is what I want to do. I will do it as long as I can, you know, get a bottle of water and survive. It was both. I mean, it was very frustrating. 
And, you know, it gets frustrating when you see people that you know you're better than or you see people that you know you're doing more than and they are making money. and they're, Or, like, just people who are making a living and not utilizing the opportunity that's in front of them. When you don't – when you're not making a living doing it and you're just trying to get the opportunity, when you see people that aren't taking advantage of it, it gets frustrating. And – when you know you're on a team and you know you're a volunteer member of the team and you know you're the most valuable person on the team, but you're just not making money. Yeah, like it, it's frustrating, but at the same time, there's never a thought to not do it. Like, because that'd be even yeah. worse to just like. Because what happens is, if you don't do it, then you go home and you go find a job where you make money and you sit at that job and you think to yourself. Imagine if I just stuck with that for another six months. Imagine what would have happened. And you're sitting there, you know, doing some whatever job that you don't care about. And, you know, I don't know. I, I just, you're set up for, I feel like, a lot of disappointment when you go for that kind of short term. I need to be rewarded now for what I need a fair day's compensation for a fair day's work. It's like, all right, well, then that's what you're going to get. People that are in it just for the money or the notoriety aren't going to go very far. Right, right. As opposed to, like, realizing that, like, you're in your 20s at that point, early 20s. It's like you got a long time to go on this thing. So, you know, you just learning it and getting good and building foundation and trying to build an audience and figuring it out, like, it's so much more important than, than you know, making sure that you get what you deserve at that moment. It is a, a lot of hard work, and I've always said, like, I don't have a backup plan, so when I get frustrated, right. it's, you realize that you have to keep going. Right, and that's the best way to do it, too, because you don't have a backup plan, but you know you're capable of it. Like, you just know inherently that you are capable of this. So what you have to do is just, you just problem solve. You don't accept, you can't get bitter, and you can't get frustrated. I mean, you get frustrated, but you can't stay frustrated. Yeah. And you can't just get like, mm, about it, because nothing is going to happen. You have to realize what you're capable of and start to problem solve. And don't rush it. Like, just, you know, realize that, like I said, it, you got a long time to make this thing work. Figure out how it works and figure out, like, what, what do you really need right now? Mm -hmm. Like, would your life really be better if you were making, like, this much extra money or you had this much extra fan base? And you look around and you're like, well, if you're 25 now, and you're like, well, that person's famous, and I'm not famous yet. Or that person's making money, and I'm not making money. Look to somebody who is 35 now who did have that when they were 25. And most of the time they don't have it anymore because they didn't build a foundation. They didn't appreciate it, and they didn't work hard enough, so they don't know how to work hard in the future when they don't have those opportunities. Yeah, I mean, you have to you have, to have that instilled in you from the beginning, and... And it also, I mean, it just means so much more. Like, when you get something that you know you deserve it, like, there's no sort of, oh, I don't know. Like, I know this is mine. I got it. Nobody gave it to me. And I know what I did to get it, and I know how to get it again. And I know how to take that and move it to the next level. Even when you were interning, you knew that you wanted to eventually be on air. How did that kind of progress and work itself out? I mean, I think it's important to be forthcoming about that stuff. Like, you have to know, okay, you have to tell people that you want to be on the air, and that's, that's the whole purpose of you being here. And that's why I said I was an intern. Yeah. And they were like, well, what do you want to do when you get into radio, blah, 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 and, like, introductory stuff on the air. And I was like, oh, well, I want to be on the air. That's, that's the only reason I'm here. That's why I'm here. So, I mean, everything I did as an intern into an associate producer into a producer was all about 
kind of doing bits or doing stuff that was like good for the show and provided content for the show and was what Opie and Anthony were looking for, but at the same time had a lot of me in it. Mm -hmm. So that I would go on the air with them and say like, oh, I found this great TV show. Here's some clips from it. This is why it's funny. Or like, you know, we can make fun of this or that. And, you know, I was, I was also getting tons of stuff for them content-wise that didn't involve me at all. Like, you know, most of the content that they played in terms of audio clips, news clips, you know, stuff they found, most of it was for me. But especially early on, I would make an effort to do stuff that would involve me being on the air with them. Um, and then I started doing, like, little hallway bits and, and two-minute pieces that, you know, would be I would write them and voice them and, and do the whole thing. So, you know, and then slowly but surely I ended up getting on the air more and more to the point where, you know, at the end of Opie and Anthony's run, I was in there with them every day. I was, I was the Opie, Anthony, Jim, and I was the fourth mic, you know, in studio with them. So the after show happened, and now you have your own weekly show. Daily. Your daily show. Yeah, nice. sorry. I mean, it's incredible, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, you've been here for it. Like, and I forgot that it's a Yeah, yeah, that was every day. You know, that, Two whole weeks? Yeah. What? Yeah, I thought I was here for eight weeks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, and that stuff, and that's, yeah, I, I, I guess it fits into the whole thing, like, you know, everybody knew I wanted to be on the air, and I was I was pretty good on the air. Yeah. I mean, you know, for what it was. But, like, it'd be stuff like, they go, okay, well, we have this, the way the schedule is working out now, we have this kind of 45 to, 30 to 45-minute block before the replay starts. Does anybody have any ideas? And like, we'd suggest things, but they didn't want to pay anybody to do it. And since it was kind of a floating time, because you never knew when Opie and Anthony were going to go off the air, they they didn't. You couldn't hire somebody to do it, and they'd just wait until their start time, and sometimes they'd do five minutes of a show. Sometimes, And I'd go like, well, why don't we just do it like an after show where we recap what happened and just talk to the guys? And they were like, w and so what, who would host that, you? And I'm like, yeah, if you guys want. <laughs> you know, like, and you kind of set up, and that's like... They get their idea. Right, and that's how that <laughs> happened. I'm like, yeah, if you guys want me to, I'd be happy to. And, and, and yeah, and then, but the trick is to like go on there, and that's what I did with the after show, is like you go on, and at the beginning, it's an after show. But then eventually, people are just like, whatever about it. So then it becomes this whole other thing where you're talking about what you're bringing people on. You're talking about whatever's happening. And you're, you're actually bringing – I ended up bringing content from the after show onto the main show just because I'd get the guys fighting with each other or whatever it was. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that was, that was part of the whole thing, I guess. When did you decide that you wanted to get into podcasting? Because you had the Sam Roberts show online, and then a year or so ago, you started doing the wrestling podcast as well. Mm -hmm. So when was that something that you decided you wanted to get into? Well, I did the Sam Roberts show online, uh, mainly just to get, uh, just, to, just to, for the practice of it, just to get my reps up, because I wanted to know that I could do it by myself if I had to. And so I would just say, okay, once a week, get on the mic and do – and, you know, every now and then I'd have a guest on there. But it, for the vast, vast majority of the shows, it would be every week get on there, whatever, 45 minutes and just talk about stuff. And you have to do it by yourself and make it entertaining. And, like, you know, it's not going to set the world on fire, but it did help me in terms of just figuring out how to talk to an audience because that's what people think, like, if, you're, if there's nobody in there with you, you're talking to yourself. But it's like you have to figure out how you're talking to an audience without seeing the audience. Without them talking back. Right, without them saying anything. You just assume that they're there, mm -hmm. which I think is one of the comforts of radio. Like, if you tell a joke that's really bad, 
you could just assume that there's somebody out there laughing. Like you don't, you're not waiting for the laugh to get back to you, yeah. which I like. But um, yeah, so I was doing that just to get you know my reps up a little bit, and then I that kind of bled into the wrestling podcast because I was doing all these wrestling interviews, and I realized there was a, a pretty big audience developing on YouTube that was just there for wrestling stuff. And so I was like, you know, why don't I do a show that's just for the wrestling audience, because those guys might just want wrestling. And maybe the guys who listen to Sirius XM don't want any wrestling, or maybe just a little bit, or whatever it is. But, uh, yeah, so I wanted to give something to just the wrestling fans, and so that's how, that's how it kind of developed into the wrestling podcast. And also... Everywhere else at work, they were making fun of you for liking wrestling, and you've been a fan your entire life, so... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. It's not a, a wrestling-friendly place around here always, so... <laughs> Although now it seems to be. I feel like the last week that I was here, everyone was so excited for SummerSlam, all the stuff that was going on this weekend. They all love to jump on the bandwagon. Plus, you showed up, and you told them that you like wrestling, so they're not going to be like, you know telling you that wrestling sucks right off the bat i encounter so many people that are like that though you have no idea try to prove you wrong like don't you know i was on a date like three weeks ago and the guy was like you know that wrestling's fake right is that an instant like this is we're not going on a second date this probably isn't gonna work out (laughs) yeah it's not because it's a whole psychology it's not just that okay well if he doesn't if he doesn't like wrestling he's not but the whole idea that he would think that you're sitting there being like well, I like wrestling because it's competitive yeah. and because you find out who the better man is because they <laughs> battle. They don't have to like wrestling. It's just... Like, respect you don't, you a little. Yeah, don't knock what I like. Right, right. What TV shows does he like? Breaking Bad? That, that shit's fake, too. I realized that I started about 20 minutes into the date, even prior to that, thinking of what other friends I could set him up with. <laughs> that's, all, that's always <laughs> a good sign. Done, yeah. Right. You know who would like him? Because I don't. Um, so you've included Kitty Linendahl on your wrestling podcast as well. How did you get linked up with her? I met her on Twitter. Um, very, very, first of all, it's very on brand for Katie, who's a tech expert, uh, to, for that to be on Twitter. But, um, yeah, I just saw, I can't remember exactly how I came across her name. She must've gotten retweeted by somebody or something. And I said, who's this? And I saw she, you know, on, on today's show, on CNN, on Fox News, and she's a big wrestling fan. So I was like, huh, that's interesting. So I followed, followed back, and like she started saying, like, you should come on my show and talk wrestling or tech or something. And she just came on. She hated me at first. <laughs> she couldn't, she, she wasn't going to do the show again. But luckily, she ended up doing the show again. And, I mean, we just hit it off. I was giving her, like, I was throwing wrestling stuff at her to find out if she was a real fan. And I realized she absolutely was. And we just got along, like, really, really well. So we had, you know, at some point just started kind of, Doing everything together. Yeah. Can you sniff out fake wrestling fans easily? Easily. Like, all you have to do is drop, like, a little reference to something. And if they're not picking up on it. Like, I've seen, like, there are little words um, that you can either, when you're trying to explain wrestling to somebody, if you use certain, like, wrestling vernacular words, instantly they're going to tune out. Like, I was watching, we once had a, a couple of interns. And it was a, a guy intern and a girl intern. And, you know, the girl intern was cute, and the guy intern was trying to talk to her about wrestling. And she had knew nothing of wrestling. And he goes, yeah, and there's this organization called Chikara. And Bobo, and I'm like, oh, no. You went way too deep, way too fast. What are you doing? But, like, 
I knew Katie was the real deal because I go, uh, who's your favorite wrestler? She was like, I like Tatanka, IRS, and Adam Bomb. I was like, all right, we got something to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so is there anyone in however many years you've been interviewing people that has been your favorite? I don't know. I, I, I've liked a lot of people. William H. Macy was really fun. Um, I really liked interviewing David Chase, who created The Sopranos. A lot of the wrestlers, like, I really liked Randy Orton, who's not always good with everybody. But I really, I, I, him and I got along, I think, pretty well. And I really liked him. And, you know, I've loved getting to know Paul Heyman. He's a blast. He loves you. Like, I feel no. like the only reason why he makes fun of you so much is because he actually respects you and likes you. I would hope so. <laughs> that's, that's what I try to tell myself. I mean, hopefully that's the case because uh, that would be huge. He's not going to tell anyone to shut up. Right, no, only the people that he really loves. But in, like, a loving way. Right, right, right. And he did give me, he always gives me, he probably wouldn't want me to say it, but he always gives me a big hug after an interview. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anyone that you still get nervous? Like, when's the last time you got nervous for an interview? I don't get that nervous. I get more, I don't get nervous about the people. Sometimes I get nervous that it's going to be a bad interview, but that's me. That's my own insecurity. That's not the person that I'm talking to. Um... I mean, the, I got excited doing Stone Cold's podcast at Stone Cold's house, like going over to Stone Cold Steve Austin's house and doing his podcast with him. Like, that was crazy. So that was super exciting. I mean, I wasn't nervous because I was like, you know, I don't know. You, at some point, you just can't be nervous anymore. Maybe I was so, like, it was so surreal that I gotten past the point of nervous. I don't know. Yeah, stuff like that. I more get nervous that I'm going to strike out than about the people I'm talking to. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have like a mantra that you tell yourself? Don't fuck up or something? Yeah, it goes like this. You suck. You're never going to be good at this. You suck. You suck. Just always remember that. Okay. Yeah, that's what it is. That's generally <laughs> it's what's like going like super negative. Yeah, thing. it's not great. It's not great. And then I have to defeat that. Um, no, I don't have a mantra. I usually just have to like get past it. Like if I, if it gets really bad, I just have to, like, push myself to the point of, like, I'm just going to not give a fuck and have fun. And, like, if I bomb, I'm going to go out in a blaze of glory. Like, that's how I was feeling when we did the live show at Caroline's. Like, that's why, (laughs) at that point, I wasn't nervous. I was stressed, but I wasn't nervous because I was thinking to myself, like, I don't have, I've booked the the venue. I've booked the talent. The audience is coming. So, at this point, either... You know, I'm going to either do a great show or I'm going to strike out hard in front of a lot of people. And I don't have any control over that. All I can do is what I'm going to do. So either way, like, let's make this ridiculous. Yeah. Like, and, and if, it, if I could tell it wasn't going my way, I would have made it, like, ridiculous. For the few people that don't know, you did a live show at Caroline's with Paul Heyman, Katie Linendahl, Corey Graves. 300 people there-ish. And even more tuned in to see it online and see it or listen to it on Sirius. And Kathy Kelly was there too. And Bobby Roberts. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks to you. She was on it. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, that was, that was a big one. Yeah. That was a big one, but I was really happy with the way it went and people seemed to have a great time. Would high school Sam Roberts mark out over present day Sam Roberts? Yeah. And I try to make sure of that. Like that's my kind of one of my number one motivators way more so than any kind of money. Is like thinking like, okay, if you were 14, if you were 15, would you think that you were the man? Like, 
Like, if I was 14, I would want to go to that show that I did at Caroline's. Or I would want to talk to me about going to Stone Cold's house. So I think that that's very important. Number one, mainly because if you do things that way, I feel like you end up staying true to yourself Mm -hmm. a lot more than just kind of chasing the dragon. You know what I mean? And a lot happier as well. I would think so. I would think because you're doing what you genuinely want to do, not what you think is on trend or what you think will make the most money or will get the most traction or whatever it is. Like, it's stuff like, you know, there's there's plenty of stuff that I could do that I wouldn't have cared about when I was growing up or when I was a kid. And, like, you know, if I'm being honest with myself, I don't care about it now. So, you know, I don't really do that stuff. I don't really worry about it. Yeah. Is there anyone that you haven't interviewed that you would like to in the future? Yeah, there's lots of people I'd love to interview, but like wrestling-wise specifically, uh, Undertaker is the one. Like I've never even met him, so I would love to really sit down and talk to the Undertaker. I would love to talk to like Kanye West and Jay Z separately, <laughs> and then together. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, I really like to people who have been in the business for a long time, who have some form of kind of building themselves up and who I genuinely admire who I'm a fan of those are good people yeah I want to know I've noticed over the last two weeks you have very weird eating habits you like pizza chicken I learned today that you like donuts or you don't hate donuts Dr. Pepper Uh what else do you eat by the way, I wish we'd done this podcast like when you first got here. <laughs> then you wouldn't. Have, then you would have just had your Wikipedia stuff or whatever. But this is why I put it off so long. Smart, very smart. Yeah, no, no, no. I have a very limited diet. It's uh, <laughs> it's yeah, chicken. Uh, if I'm going to a restaurant, I'm getting the chicken dish, uh, as plain as humanly possible. Uh, I like pizza. Yeah, and that's kind. Of, I mean, potatoes are good. I don't like mashed potatoes though. Boneless chicken wings. I love boneless chicken wings. Not <laughs> always. Eat too much. Right. Sometimes we eat too much and they don't agree with us. But I do love me boneless buffalo wings in a big, big way. That's my favorite thing to get from Chili's. Oh. I get boneless buffalo wings, fries, corn on the cob, and then Dr. Pepper free refills. So I go through like three or four of them. Mm-hmm. I know you hate vacations. Yeah. But if you were forced to take a vacation by Sirius XM a la Megyn Kelly and Fox, <laughs> what would you do in your 11 days off? Um, I'm probably, what I end up doing when I somehow end up on vacation is I do like a day or two of staycation, but I end up working on a computer or whatever. And then I will go on uh, road trips to like not great places. Like, I have been to King of Prussia, Pennsylvania a few times just because it's some place to drive to. I'm like, I want to go to Chick-fil-A. And they're all over New Jersey. They're like, you can get to Chick-fil-A's within 45 minutes or so of me. There's not none in New York City yet. But um, <laughs> but there is, there is a Chick-fil-A in the King of Prussia Mall in Pennsylvania. And that's like a, probably a good two hours or more away from me. So I'll go like, okay, I'm going to go to King of Prussia today. And then get some Chick-fil-A and drive around King of Pressure for a while and hit up a Cracker Barrel on the way home. Um, so what you're saying is you're a lot more productive when you're not taking vacations. Yeah. That, I mean, who's taking vacation? You're not productive. 
I just took a vacation out here and was working the entire time. That's what I mean. That's a trick question then. Like, okay, if I was going on vacation, I would go out to L.A. and I would just find, I would just work in L.A. And just do Stone Cold Steve, Steve Austin's podcast all day. That's what I did the last time I traveled. I went out to L.A. I did After Buzz. I did Stone Cold's podcast. I was all over the place. Yeah. So that's, yes, that's then what I would do. I would not drive to King of Prussia again. I would uh, fly out to L.A. and get some more stuff done. How often do you Google yourself? I don't Google myself that often. And number one, I know where the fan sites are, and I read them, all the negative stuff all the time. But I don't Google myself that often because there's a a horrible Canadian rock star whose name is Sam Roberts, and I I became aware of him in my freshman year of college. Mm -hmm. And I've been on a a one-man mission for, I guess, I don't know, however long it's been, 10 years, more than 10 years, I guess, to... Be, be bigger, yeah. Be more famous than him because I'm sick of him getting by on that name. Yeah, sick of it. And he has not, by the way, in all those years, he has not made an impact in the United States. That's like, come on, like, are you serious? You know, there's like a romance novelist named Kathy Kelly in the UK that I want to spell the same way. No. Okay, there you go. Because you got the E Y, and Kathy has no K. Mm-hmm. Right. How did not Sam come about? Hmm. Um, not Sam, when I was in college, you know, I said I had not Sam radio in college, but I wanted to, uh, start a website, like, that I would just, like, write about stuff, and just a funny website, and throw pictures and stuff up there, but I wanted, like, a real one, I wanted a .com, you know, so I, uh, I tried Sam.com, and that was taken, believe it or not, somebody, somebody snatched that up, maybe during the .com boom, I don't know, but then I was like, oh, what can I, what else can I do, because I wanted it real simple, and then I was like, well, what's the guy? Like, not Sam. And then I was like, oh, not Sam is like a cool sounding word. Like, not, it just sounds good to me. Not Sam. Not Sam. Right? You just say it. It's memorable, for sure. Yes, which is really a nice way of saying that is not a great name. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so then I tried notsam.com, and it was not taken. So I was like, okay, I'm going to take that. And then I just, then Twitter came out and Gmail and Facebook and everything else. And it just kind of started, like, once NotSam.com started, and then I named it NotSamRadio, it's just, like, it's kind of stuck. And I felt like it was a good spot for everything, a good umbrella for everything to be under. If you weren't working towards being the last professional broadcaster, what do you think you would be doing right now? I know you said no plan Bs, but... I'm sure I'd be doing something with WWE. It'd probably be a horrible job because they'd know what a fan I was. So they would just have, they'd be like, oh, we can have Sam set up the rings. No, isn't he like an office guy? Yeah, who cares? Okay, yeah, I have him. And I'd be like, all right, guys, whatever you want. Yeah, I'd probably be doing something with WWE, whether, I mean, anything, really. Besides, like, radio and entertainment and all that stuff. Like, if it was just, like, a job job, like, broadcasting just wasn't, didn't happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd probably probably get a job over there doing something. I'd do whatever they wanted, I guess. Who are some of the people in the industry, not just wrestling, um, but broadcasting, that you've looked up to? Well, obviously Opie and Anthony. Yeah. I mean, they're the ones who taught me kind of everything and this style of radio and, and all that stuff. Uh, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of people. Anybody who's really been successful at pushing their own name out there is somebody I've looked at. Like, you know, like Howard Stern's done a lot that I look at with admiration. I mean, even, yeah, I was talking about Kanye West before, and with all of his shortcomings, and don't, all, yes, 
all of his shortcomings are recognized. But this is a guy who kind of built himself up from just making beats for rappers to getting out of his basement to you know to rapping on this and went through a lot of trials and tribulations from people who said it wasn't going to happen and and broke ground and continues to break ground in a lot of ways that's another thing like i really admire people who after they kind of break continue to break ground Mm -hmm. and continue to take chances and continue to kind of you can tell they're still pursuing passions those are the people that i really kind of look up to that just keep going they don't they don't kind of get they don't get to where they wanted to go and then stop like that's the worst thing ever and sometimes it doesn't even work out no yeah sometimes sometimes it doesn't work out at all but it's like at least you know you you tried it or you you figured out this new oh i never even thought to look at it this way and you come up with a whole new way of doing things that you wouldn't you wouldn't have known like kanye singing on tracks he's like oh that doesn't work i'm gonna get someone else i'm gonna tell you something though (laughs) 808s and heartbreaks is one of his best albums and, and, I will say this, that without AOH and Heartbreaks, he changed the way people perceived hip-hop with that album, and there would be no Drake without 808s and Heartbreaks. He, there's, Do you really believe that? I love Drake, for the record. Love Drake. Like, I have, a, I have an app on my phone that's a Drake keyboard that, like, you can send people, like, I send people texts with just Drake lyrics. I have an app on my phone called Drake Shake, and you can add Drake to any of your pictures. I saw that on Instagram. <laughs> so if I sent you Drake lyrics, do you think you would know what I was doing? Of course. All right, I'm going to try it later. Okay. Um, I also have a sweatshirt that says, don't Drake and drive. <laughs> That's great. That's great. No, me and my buddy Troy, who works here at Sirius with me, who I love, uh, we literally will have hour-long conversations or more where we're just sitting in like a Wendy's or something. And we talk about Drake lyrics and how they apply to us. Mm-hmm. Like when, when, I, when Drake's like, like, look him in a mirror, like, damn, that's really him. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I get that. And he's like, yeah, I get that too. You know, I, I totally get that. Like, look in the mirror, like, oh my gosh, that's, that's, really, that's really me. I get to, I'm like, yeah, totally. And we just go on and on and on. But that whole kind of techno-y singing yeah. rap thing, I don't think it would have happened without 808s and Heartbreaks. I was going to say, I feel like one of the reasons why you might relate to Drake is because you're a young Jewish black kid. <laughs> <laughs> Who started from the bottom, and now, well, I'm here. Now you're here. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. It was also because I was a big Degrassi fan. That's true. <laughs> I watched a lot of Degrassi, like, uh, yeah, in college. I was watching was Degrassi. Wheelchair Jimmy? Yeah. Yeah, he was Jimmy Brooks, and the school guy, and he, it was, he got shot in school. Very controversial episode. And he got shot in the spine and yeah. took out his legs. But then Jimmy became a rapper in his wheelchair. And I was like, yeah, this guy's corny. And then he became Drake. You would have thunk it. I wouldn't have. I feel like that's Drake is also one of those people that can inspire kids who have had embarrassing YouTube videos when they were 8 or 9 or 10. That they can still become a really successful gangster rapper. <laughs> totally. Yeah, like he's not supposed to exist in rap. And he's like arguably the best there is yeah he's completely killing it and you need that so i think that's what people who don't listen to like hip-hop music don't understand like my brain goes back and forth like when i'm listening to music it's either very depressing music or it's like i gotta i gotta get back up and so i just start listening to like drake kanye west jay-z because all they do the only thing they rap about is how awesome they are and i'm like yeah Yeah. i feel the same way guys let's go let's kill this (laughs) shit right now yeah. Both Drake and Kanye 
are usually involved in some sort of controversy, some sort of fight with someone else. And I know that you love fights and stirring up shit. Yeah. Uh, why is that? I just am endlessly entertained by conflict. I don't know. It's always been that way. I just love, like, watching. I, you know, I think a lot of it is because it's, like, usually the most honest you'll see a person is either when they're intoxicated or when they're mad. And, like, all this stuff that they've been building up is finally coming out. And the way they actually feel about somebody is finally coming out. Like, I really like, like, honesty and, like, truth. And, I mean, conflict. I don't, I don't want to sound like I'm trying to make this sound like a more positive thing than it actually is. Like, I like it when people are fighting with each other. And I will try to get people to fight with each other. Even if I don't think there is actual conflict. I go, well, couldn't have felt good when he said that. Well, I don't know. You know what he's saying when he means this. And just hopefully watching the room explode. Have you ever said anything intentionally to spark more controversy? Or do you just, like, even if you don't necessarily believe it, just to see what other people say? Yes. Like, <laughs> like is that a question? Yeah. You're looking at me so confused. Many, many times. Like, yeah. I made a whole career out of it on Opie and Anthony's show. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's really how I started to make my mark is I would just go in and get the staff fighting with each other constantly. And I loved it. I loved every minute I would do it. If I didn't have my own show, I mean, I try to do that on my show. Like I got, you know, I, I get podcasters fighting with each other. If I like the minute, (laughs) the minute I find an ounce of, when I find out people are mad at me, depending on the people, but if I find out people are mad at me, I start really pushing back to hopefully like we start like a war. Like I'm, I don't mind being at the center of it. But that's why people don't really start fights with me, though, because they know that I really don't mind being at the center of it, that I really kind of get off on it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I, I love stirring it up. Yeah. And being on air, you also, I mean, everyone who's on air has to open up their personal life to some extent. Have you ever felt like it's you've shared too much? Yeah, I've gotten in trouble a ton of times at home. I uh, fake propo- proposed to my girlfriend at the time on the Ron and Fez show once and I didn't realize that that was like a horrible thing to do because she was in uh Jess was in studio with us and I had she was already pissed at me because we were doing a wrestling trivia contest and they said okay well if you lose Jess has to do a bikini fashion show and I was like uh and they were giving me this look and you can't say no so I was like all right done and so I had to come home and be like Jess you got to come in with me tomorrow you got to bring some bathing suits and she was like what I was like, well, I'm not going to lose. Don't worry. And she's like, what? What What did you just do? And so we get into the studio, and then Ron from Ron and Fez goes, "Uh, Jess, you don't really think you're here for a game, right? And Jess goes, what do you mean? And he goes, I think think Sam has something to ask you. And, like, it got quiet. And, like, I didn't know he was going to do this. But I also am not from the school of no or I won't do it. So it's like, okay, I go – Without doing improv at all, you're like, yes, and? Exactly. Yeah, that's that's what you do. And so I looked at her and I went, Jess, you know, we've been dating for a while. And she was like, yeah. and she started getting, like, teary-eyed. And I was like, and I just wanted to know if you're ready to play the wrestling trivia game. <laughs> and she, I didn't even know. I thought it was a goof. And she was livid. After the show, I mean, and I didn't know because she put on a, 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 a good face for the show because she didn't want the rest of the show to know how mad she was. But, like, she was livid after the show. How do you make...
wake up for something like that. You, I, I just said, I don't know. I was doing. It's stuck with you. Yeah, I don't know why. I, I was like, I was like, I don't know. I was doing it for the air. I thought it was funny. I thought, you know, I just act like, I'd be like, you, you know, you're dating an idiot. Like that's your choice. So yeah. when I act like an idiot, that can't be a surprise. <laughs> you act like an idiot a lot. <laughs> I'm an idiot. That's what people don't understand. You get paid for. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Moving forward in your career, you've already created such a awesome brand and everyone I've talked to this entire weekend, all putting you over maybe more so than yourself, which is weird because you put yourself over a lot. I <laughs> like to think when I'm doing it, it's slightly tongue in cheek. <laughs> slightly. People don't get it. They don't. They don't. They don't Sarcasm. It. What? Oh. <laughs> but what else do you hope to accomplish? I mean, I don't even really feel like I've started yet. You know, I, I feel like you're a decade deep. I hope you started. Like, yeah, I still feel way behind the curve. Like, like there's still a lot. I want to do everything. Like, yeah. I want to suck as much as I can out of life. <laughs> like, just... Life. Well, life. Life. What are we talking about here, Kathy? Life. Yeah, no, I want to... I want to... I don't know. I want to kind of do it all, you know? Bucket list item that's not work-related. What do you want to do? <laughs> I have no, like, what I want to do that I could do that's not work-related. So I don't know if there's anything bucket – like, what? Like, what would be an example? Like, what do you want to do that's not work-related? Bungee jumping? Like, yeah, I don't care about any of that stuff. Like, that's just something you say. You know, one of these days I'd like to skydive. I don't care. Although I'd probably tape it and upload it to YouTube and then try to right. <laughs> make it a viral video. I'd try to periscope from the sky if I was skydiving. Like, can you guys believe I'm up here? Like, totally cut off from – Make sure to send some hearts. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> hearts. Yeah, no, and it'd be like, okay, like, what can we do with this? So I just sky, I just went skydiving. We got it on video. Like, what's the best way to utilize this? Like, I don't really have a not work mode, so. You have not Sam mode, though. I stay in not Sam mode. Okay. <laughs> based on Brie mode. Um, I mean, yeah, no, I don't, I don't, uh, I'm not, uh, if we don't relate to each other on a work level, I don't think I'm good company because I don't have anything that I really like or want to do. I mean, I like going to wrestling shows, but that also like like what I take my hobbies and the things that I spend time doing and try to bring them into my work life yeah. because it just feels like I'm wasting my time otherwise. Um, and I mean, it's kind of it's a bit of a torturous existence because it's like nothing's ever enough, and it's, you just have to keep going and going and going. I, th- I mean, if anybody's listening to this, I would advocate for them to have hobbies and yeah. to have non-work-related goals because it's, it's horrendous. It's not fun and it's not healthy. But if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. Let me tell you something. <laughs> I've worked every day of my life. Um, yeah, no, um, yeah, it's, it's, it, 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 it's all, I don't know. I don't have any anything that I, I really want to do. Like, my mom was asking me last night, like, what do you want to do for your birthday? And I was like, I don't know. Just tell me what the plan is, and I'll be there. She's like, well, do you want to go to dinner? Do you want to get pizza? Do you want to have a barbecue? Do you want... I was like, Mom, just like, what do you want to do for my birthday? Like, I don't care. She's like, well, what do you want for your birthday? I was like, I don't know. I, I don't know. Like, what are we talking about this for? It was really not a pleasant ex- exchange yeah. on my part. Your mom is still planning your birthday parties for you. Yeah, I don't know why. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, I'm 32, Mom. I'm like, we don't have to do anything. Like, I'm happy to sit at home. Like, here's what I want to do for my birthday. 
just leave me at home alone, everyone. And that sounds great. That sounds terrific to me. I'm going to watch some TV. I'll be on my computer and nobody talk to me. And I think I'll have a great day. Yeah. Yeah. You sound like an awesome human being to hear I'm questioning everything. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I don't know. You can come over if you want, I guess. I don't know. Just don't, like, you know, think that it's going to be all this excitement, you know? Yeah. Uh, wrapping up the podcast, I usually ask people what advice they have for others who might want to follow into their footsteps. So other than find a hobby, <laughs> what are some other words of wisdom from Sam Roberts? I just, I, <laughs> I, think, I think people should uh, always follow their passions and not necessarily what uh, the plan is. You know what I mean? Like, like it doesn't really matter because I, I feel like a lot of people get locked into this idea of finding a safe job and having a kid and buying a house and doing that thing still. And, like, it's not as if it's the 1950s. It was new in the 1950s. That was exciting in the 1950s, but that was 65 years ago. And it's like there's so much going on right now. There's so many different ways to create. There's so many different ways to, you know, not only make a living but pursue passions and, and do all this. And, you know, you only get so much time on this planet. So I think people should just be pursuing what they really want and not worrying about anyone who isn't on the same wavelength. Just put your blinders on and go forward and you'll find the people you connect with. Yeah. Uh, at the end of the show, we have a shameless plug section. So what would you like to plug? <laughs> well, you can hear Kathy Kelly sometimes on Sam Roberts show. <laughs> On uh, Sirius XM every day on Opie Radio from 12 p.m. to 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast on iTunes and everything at NotSam.com. Well, Sam, thank you for doing my podcast. And I really hope that it gets a lot of negative comments so you can read them all. I will. I'll read them all and I'll be like, yep, that's right. That's a good one. They'll be like, Sam, you're so funny. That person has no idea what they're talking about. You suck. That's right. That's right. (laughs) yes that was a longer interview than i normally do but that's what happens when two people who talk for work tape a podcast together like sam said you can check out the shows i've done with him they're on serious on demand and the show he did with Heyman. Graves and Katie Linendahl that I got to be a part of is on his YouTube channel, youtube.com slash not Sam. You can follow him on Twitter at not Sam and tell him how embarrassing it is that a grown man doesn't eat steak. Uh, <laughs> now for the Q and a portion of chatting. Thank you to all who submitted questions this week. I'm going to do a slightly abbreviated version of this since the interview went so long. But if your question didn't get answered or you have another question that you want to have on a future show, tweet it to me using the hashtag chatting with Kathy. Okay, so first question at GTS Robin on Twitter asks, could you ever have imagined wrestling becoming such a passion of yours? 1,000% no. Uh, 
I think I've said this on shows before, but I was not a fan of wrestling growing up, but it wasn't because I watched and I didn't like it. I just had never watched before. I had members of my family who didn't really like it, but I don't think that they gave it a chance either. And growing up, it just wasn't something that was turned on in my household. I didn't have any friends that watched, so I wasn't exposed to it. But fast forward to, you know, four years ago and starting to work for AfterBuzz, there's a huge wrestling community there. And wrestling is part of the foundation of AfterBuzz. I didn't get into it because of that. But it's something that was on our TVs constantly. And at the time, I was working there producing, you know, four or five days a week, 12-hour days. So it was inevitable that I was going to start watching at least, not necessarily enjoying it, but watching uh, wrestling while I was at work. The first day that we watched I admittedly did not want to be there. Uh, The second day, I just shut up and watched. Third time, shut up and watched. Um, And by, I think, the third or fourth week, I was hooked. Like, I wanted to know what happened next in storylines. And I'm so glad that it's a part of my life now because I think that in a weird way, I've created a lot of friendships through wrestling And there are a lot of really cool wrestling fans that when you meet them, you just click because instantly, I mean, isn't that what most friendships are about? You guys like the same things and you want to talk about them. So I'm lucky that a lot of people have come into my life from this very bizarre world. So many of my friends have come into my life because we both like wrestling but it's great. Um, at moves like Jaggler says on a Twitter, if you were a cupcake, would you eat yourself? <laughs> uh, well, if you are what you eat, then I'm not quite sure why I haven't turned into a cupcake yet because I eat a lot of them, but I feel like, yeah, if I were a cupcake, I would definitely eat myself. Is that cannibalism? I don't know, and I don't know if I care. Cupcake diet. Next and last question. I'm sorry that this has been so short this week. At KP Sports 90 on Twitter asks, what was your favorite meal in New York, and how was it meeting all of your fans? I don't know if I had a favorite meal when I was here. I definitely had weirder eating habits than normal. Uh, The other day I had two cupcakes for breakfast because I was just eating my feelings. Uh, (laughs) That goes back to the last question. Uh, I wanted to get more interviews while I was out here, but it didn't work out. So I consoled myself with some delicious crumbs, cupcakes, milkshake one and a sprinkles one. And I have no regrets. There were definitely times this week that I was too busy to eat and other times when I ordered an entire pizza 
basket of fries and a slice of cheesecake and then ask the rest of the table, oh, does anyone else want anything? Uh, Because I definitely ate all of that by myself. But as far as meeting people, fans, it's still weird as a concept to think that I have fans. I feel like it's just people who also have similar interests. But yeah, everyone I met this weekend was awesome. And like I said on the AfterBuzz Takeover After Show, the few people who asked us for pictures just made me feel a million times cooler than I actually am. So thank you for that. Uh, (laughs) I know that Brandon and Hobo, who do the show with me, were marking out for themselves, which was hilarious and awesome to see at the same time. It was really cool to see the feedback from people. You know, we get tweets from you guys every week or comments on the YouTube, but it's cool to actually meet people in person and put faces to everyone's names. It also reinforced how cool everyone that listens and tunes into AfterBuzz is. You know, we're all watching these shows, and this just gives us a platform to talk about it together. Again, thank you to everyone who submitted questions this week. And tweet me questions for next week's Q&A, because I want to hopefully answer a lot more of them. Thank you to everyone who rated chatting with Kathy five stars on iTunes. I'm going to shout out everyone who rates it next week. So please, please do so because it really does help the podcast grow and helps other people find it. Also, let me know which guests you'd like to see on the podcast or hear from in the future. You can follow me on Twitter at Katherine Kelly, on Instagram at Kathy Kelly. I'm also on Snapchat and Periscope, so you can find me there. Thank you so much to Kevin Undergaro and Phil Svitek for helping me produce this little podcast of mine. Thank you to Sam Roberts for being this week's guest. Thank you to Sam's mom for giving me plenty of material to embarrass him with. Thank you to my mom for meeting me out in New York. Thank you to moms in general. And thank you guys for listening to me for the past hour. Bye.